0: Please have a seat. What a, what a wonderful time it was this morning, worshiping with you, and we'll have a chance to worship some more uh, later, but just love to lift up the name of Christ and, and glorify Him, and a lot of that's what we're going to center on this morning. What we've normally been taught in the Bible, as we've learned about love, is that when we love each other, when we love the children of God, we're loving God. And that's how we can tell. If we're loving each other well, or we're loving God well. But today we're going to see John turn the table over. And he's going to say, how do we know we're loving each other well? We know we love each other well when we love God. When we obey His commands, we love Him. Which means we love each other. And we're going to learn today that disobedience... Leads to strife, it leads to disunity, it leads to all kinds of inconceivable relational disasters. But obedience leads to unity and joy and peace and forward movement. And so we really have to learn to love God so we can love each other. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Because that's what I want for you. I want you to have A freedom to relate to each other without things hanging over from the past, without relational issues, without awkwardness. But first we have to learn to love God. Then we can learn how to love each other. Now, believe it or not, we're almost done with this series. We have one more Sunday in the book of 1 John as we seek out authentic Christianity, which is all about love. And John has been... Writing to these neighboring churches near where he lives and in the churches that are identified in Revelation are many of these churches. And he's calling his readers and then he's calling us back to Orthodox Christianity back to what we know to be the truth. In a culture for John that was full of idol worship. And the Gnostics were pushing enlightenment. And in our culture... Many of the same kind of flows are going on. So he's calling us back to what we know to be the truth. So that we can fellowship with Jesus Christ. We just sing songs about what it means to stand in the presence of Jesus. This is John's big thing. Because John did that. And he wants us to experience Christ. Because when that happens, we are transformed into the image of Christ. And then we are abiding in Christ we are loving each other, and we're experiencing authentic Christianity. And so as he begins to wrap up the book, he's in this section now on what it means to be full of the Spirit and how to live in the Spirit. And so he's going to teach us how to love God so we can love each other. So take your Bibles, if you would, and open to the book of 1 John 5, and we're going to start in verse 1. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, if you want to grab that Bible in front of you. It's on page 1023. Right near the back of your Bible, the book of 1 John. So, this is a really interesting way for him to end the book. Because he's going to tell us that the litmus test for our love for each other is how we are obeying, how we are following the commands of God. Because. By following the commands of God, that means we are loving God. Now, some in our churches today would accuse John of being a legalist. Well, this is inspired scripture, so we need to pay attention. Let's start in verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, I read five verses, and you could spend weeks trying to delve through this, and it's incredibly rich. And we've already seen back in four twenty and 21 that John said, listen, you have got to learn to love your fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus, because that means that you're in touch with the Father. That means you're abiding in His Son, Jesus Christ. But likewise, lest we be deceived, John tells us in verse 2, very clearly, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. And so he's turning the tables. He's adding a new wrinkle in. We learn to love God so we can love each other. But before we can do that, we need to discover who the each others are. How do we define the person that John is instructing us to love? And that's by this definition. John tells us that a fellow Christian believes that Jesus is the Christ. And so we define a believer As this, we are to love our fellow brothers and sisters. The key for John is that we acknowledge that Jesus is who he says he is. And we see this outlined very clearly in verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. This is really, really important that we understand who the people are that are born of God. Because in our culture, and I think this was happening in first century Ephesus as well, we have widened the net to the point where we can barely distinguish who the fundamental Bible-preaching churches are, what, what is a Christian, who are the legalists, who are the liberals... John makes it really easy. If we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and if we submit ourselves to that belief and faith, then we are saved. And we now are a child of God. John has been talking about love. Now he's talking about faith. And it's not faith in some you know, higher power? Or the big guy upstairs? Love that phrase. That's my, that's my favorite. Hey, pastor, can you shoot one up to the big guy? It's like, sure. Yeah, absolutely. What he's talking about is faith in a specific person, Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah who has come and saved the world. If we follow him, we are as John would say here, born of God. And, and though, of course, we are to love nonbelievers. That's our mission. In this context, it's about loving each other. And each other is those who believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now, we live in an age where churches are being challenged regarding their theology, and especially in the area of tolerance and widening the net regarding salvation, other lifestyle issues. And it would be logical, at least by cultural thinking, to believe that if we widen the net, if we accept more people in, more, more ideas about salvation, if we, if we, if we preach through Rob Bell's book, Love Wins, don't read it, if we preach through that book, then we're actually going to be loving because we're widening the net. Come on in! John is saying, yeah, I love those people for sure. But that's not who children of God are. Children of God are those who specifically believe that Jesus is the Christ. And if you believe Jesus is the Christ and you've read the Bible at all, then you also must accept the fact that he is the exclusive path to salvation. That's what makes a brother or sister in Christ. And if we become a tolerant Church that accepts other salvific ideas, we actually rob each other of the opportunity to love the way that God loves us. And so we have to be careful about staying true to what we are and what we know to be the truth, especially regarding who Christ is. When we start into that community series, the first part of Acts 2, 42 through 47, is that the apostles teaching was important. People were sitting underneath their teaching. So we're going to find out what that means, what doctrine we hold. And so John defines the people that we are to love as brothers and sisters in Christ, children of God, those who believe that Jesus is the Christ. And how do we do that? We do that by keeping the commands of God. So we love God so we can love each other. This is made really clear in verses 2 and 3. By this we know that we love the children of God. The children of God are those who believe that Jesus is the Christ. When we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. So how do we love God? We love God by keeping his commands. It's about obedience to him. This isn't about just examining God or enjoying being underneath the sphere of God. This is about obeying the commands of God. This is how we show God that we love Him. Now, for the believer, for one who is tuned in, for one who loves Jesus, these commands are not burdensome. We eagerly Chase after what it means to become more like Christ. What it means to obey. We're constantly challenging ourselves to go, how can I do this better? What are the areas I need to submit? What are the walls that I have up that I have to break down? But John is really clear. This isn't a burdensome exercise. Now granted, these people in, in first century Ephesus were familiar with Jewish teachers. The, the, teachers of the law, and they had added all these ridiculous rules into the law. So he actually was crushing believers. And John was pushing back against that culturally. And he was saying, listen, these people have taught you these areas of the law that God never intended, that have pushed you down, that have caused you incredible hardship. What I'm offering you is freedom through the laws of God. Because God wants us to thrive. He doesn't want us to be crushed. He is not a mean dictator. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to be deeply rooted. He wants you to be able to take what life has to offer and be able to stand strong even in the midst of trial and pain. And the way you do that is by... Obeying the commands of God. They're there for your freedom, not your bondage. This verse in, this passage in Psalm 1 is so beautiful. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on His law, He meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that He does, He prospers. So when we study the Word of God, when we are in contact with other believers, when we are growing, we are being steadfastly grounded so that we can withstand Life, And we can thrive in life. This is what it means to live under the commands of God. What does John say? These commands are not burdensome. Now, many of us know people, or maybe we've been this ourselves, that are what I call spiritual drifters. And what spiritual drifters do is they kind of, they know the gospel, they never quite land on it. Every kind of whim of theology that is introduced, they kind of grab onto it, and this is really cool, this is the new thing. You know, hey, let's do a Bible study on the shack. You all know I love the shack. It's awesome. So, but here's the problem with theological drifters, is they never... Land, and so they are never experiencing the freedom of what it means to actually be grounded in what God wants them to be. And so they find themselves in this position where they don't know what it means to have joy. They're not deeply rooted. And when we are deeply rooted, we have this abiding kinship with Christ. And this was John's big thing for you and me abide with Christ. Man. Can you imagine sitting down having coffee with John? So we're over at Caribou, and some of you would be with John, and you'd be ordering these drinks, and John would go like, what what are you talking about? Like, what's a non-fat latte, 120 degrees, and stuff like that? Me, I would just say coffee black. John would say, good, you're like one of me. So John and I would get along really well. So we'd sit down, we'd have coffee. And then we'd say to John, first question would be, what what is it like to be with Jesus? Can you describe what is it like to to just walk with him and and listen to him? And were you there when Lazarus was raised from the dead? Wow, what was that like? We don't have to have coffee with John. We're reading about it. Because John was with Jesus all this time, abiding with Christ. John was the disciple that Jesus loves. And what he's telling us is, don't mess around with the things of the world. Don't be lured away. Ground yourself so that you can be a tree next to streams of water where your leaf never withers that you stand strong. And you do that by obeying the commands of God. Now, maybe you're in a position in your life where you're saying to yourself, wow, I, I am not, I'm not obeying. I know I'm not obeying. Or I'm not having any interest in obeying. Or I I just, this is so foreign to me, I don't even know what you're talking about. Listen, maybe God is calling you today. Maybe he's calling you to say to yourself, I need to get right with God. I, I need to put my life in a place where I know that I'm abiding underneath the commands of God so I can have Christ. Because the bottom line is the gospel clearly teaches us that it is only through a relationship with Christ that we can be saved. It is only through a relationship with Christ that we can have eternal life. There is a massive sin problem that you and I are coping with. That's what makes church so messy. That's what makes life so messy. That's what makes relationships so crazy is the sin problem. The only way to get on top of the sin problem is to give yourself to Christ. Have you done that? That's what John is calling us to do. Obey the commands of God. We need to learn to love God so we can love each other. These are people, you and I, that love Jesus, so we have to love each other. The way we do that is by following God's commands. John's language here is really specific. It is not burdensome. It is beautiful. Now let's put this in a Ridgewood perspective really quickly. Because we're, we're trying to go on mission. Neil was talking about doing community groups and finding ways to reach our community and so forth. If we are obeying the commands of God, then we can love each other well. And if we love each other well, then we will be able to move out together and reach our culture for Christ. But if we forget about what it means to love God, obey God, And by the way, the the commandment that John's likely thinking about is pretty convicting. Likely in his mind, he's thinking about the command to love your neighbor as yourself. Because he heard Jesus say that. He would tell you that at coffee. And obviously, if you're following the command, then you're loving each other well. But if we're not doing that then we can't go out and do anything as a church because we'll be constantly dealing with strife and disunity and we won't be able to come together on a plan and it just won't, it won't work. And so, if we can learn to obey this command and love each other well, then we can show love to others. We can reach moms at mops that don't know Christ. We can go and... We can learn to love our community. We can invest in our community, and we can show them the love of Christ. We can show compassion through ministries like Reach and Restore. We can go out and we can see God work right in our midst as we did on the 9th. All those people got baptized in the lake, and people were watching. That's not going to happen Unless we learn to love God so we can love each other. But if we can do that, then amazing things are going to happen. Sparks are going to fly because God's going to use us to bring people from darkness into light. And we all want that, right? That was encouraging. Thank you for... Yeah, okay, it's okay. It's, like... it's okay. Second service, somebody will say amen. They can articulate it by 1030. i was just kidding. I love you. I'm kidding. Now you're saying, pastor doesn't even follow this. (laughs) All right. So, there's another amazing thing that happens when we learn to love God. And that is we abide with Christ. And John will tell us in verses 4 and 5 that the one who is born of God, the one who believes that Jesus is the Christ, is the one that overcomes the world. So not only do we Not only do we fall into this beautiful relationship with God, love each other, but we become overcomers as well. So look at 4 and 5. And we see the power of faith in Christ. For everyone who has been born of God. So remember, he's defined that now. The people who are in the family of God are born of God. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world, except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So John is writing in circles again, but we love that because he's our guide, and we're used to this, but he's making points as he goes, and he's emphasizing ideas. But that term for our faith, that this is in the original language, it only appears this way in this verse, it's not in second and third, John it's not in the Gospels. Because he's making a point. Faith enables all of this to happen. Has overcome. Points to victory. And more than that, it points to victory in the past. We have to understand something. And this is going to be a theological nuance that's important. When Jesus gave himself on the cross... And when he said, it is finished, he overcame the world. He didn't have to go into hell and fight a war to defeat Satan. The cross is where it all happened. Sure, the Bible paints a picture in Revelation of Jesus riding in on this white horse, prepared for battle, but you understand that he has, past tense, overcome The world. And verse 5 offers this beautiful rhetorical question. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And so... We're back to this idea of orthodoxy. If you're going to wander away from believing that Jesus is the Son of God, you're not going to have overcoming power in your life, and you're not even going to believe that you are an overcomer because you're going to be searching for whatever the culture can do for you or whatever kind of theology you want to piece together. And maybe you doubt. Maybe you think, I don't, man, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure. Then memorize this verse right here. John 16.33, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart. This is for us. Take heart. I have overcome the world. You will have tribulation. There's a million trials represented here. I've been through trials. You've been through trials. I've experienced intense grief. You've experienced stuff. And if we really love Christ, then we know this is a true promise. And John says it three times. I have overcome the world three times in this passage. So he's, he's convinced of this. And I want you to be convinced of this. Listen, we live in a scary world. And so... When things happen, we can believe what Jesus says, I have overcome the world. When terror is happening, or we're afraid to get on a plane, we're afraid to go to a foreign country because of terrorism. Remember what Jesus said, I have overcome the world. When somebody in our lives that's special to us, that dies, and we're left empty, and hurting, and mourning, and everyone else is gone on their way, and we're left alone. Remember, I have overcome the world. When we're rejected, when we're betrayed, when we're abandoned, I have overcome the world. When friends flee from us because we stand for something that's different than the world standards, I have overcome the world. When aging is knocking at our door and death all of a sudden is in sight, I have overcome the world. When we think that evil is winning the day, and we look around and we say to ourselves, how how is this ever going to work out? I have overcome the world. And in the context of what we're talking about today, when relationships seem irreconcilable, I have overcome the world. And what makes it happen? Our faith. The victory is our faith in Jesus who is the Christ. You talk about a rich five verses? It's amazing. Someday you can have coffee with John in heaven and you can can say, Pastor asked me to, to ask you these questions and you can take out the list. Here's the thing. If you're going to wander around and if you're going to choose to be swayed by culture, there's going to be two things that you're going to miss out on. You're not going to learn to love your fellow brother and sister because it'd be like going to the gas station and putting money in the gas pump and then not hooking it up to your car. That really isn't going to do you much good. So you're going to miss out on that opportunity to be fueled, but you're also going to miss out on the opportunity to live a life that is, is free of fear, And free of anxiety because I have overcome the world. So here's how this argument in this, I'll just package it together real quickly for you because John, he likes to write and he writes crazy in circles. So here's how this makes sense. Let's put it up here. So here's how it works. To believe that Jesus is the Christ involves being born of God. To be born of God means loving God. To love God involves loving his children. Therefore, to believe that Jesus is the Christ involves loving God's children. This is faith in Christ, and it overcomes the world. That makes perfect sense. And it's beautifully stated. So, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here. And I want to apply this to you and me now, how this applies to to me. First, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? I was sharing this in prayer earlier this morning that studies show that one-fifth of the people in church on Sunday are not believers in Jesus Christ. For us, that would be 60 or 70 people this morning that aren't believers in Christ. So, those of you who are believers in Christ and you get tired of me asking these questions and pounding home the gospel, sorry, you can you know, get on your phone. I'm going to talk to the people that don't know Jesus. Are you going to get yourself right with Christ? Do you understand That sin leads to death. Eternal death. And the only way that you can be forgiven of your sin and the only way you can find eternal life is through a relationship with Christ that comes through obedience and submission to him and belief in him. Have you done that? Jesus confronted Peter and and look what he said. Hey, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Do you Believe that. Second question for all of us. Do we really love God? Or is it just this segment of our life that we kind of have there that we like, that we go back to? Do we really love Him? And you say, well, how do I know? Are you obeying Him with a heart that is open and beautiful and not because out of duty or guilt Do you love God? Are you keeping his command? And then thirdly, are you really loving God's children? Because if you're disparaging people, if you're gossiping about them, if you're not giving them, if you're not thinking the best about them, if you're not forgiving them, if you're not trying to get right with them, and there are turf wars going on and you're holding grudges, then you should really stop and say, I'm not sure I love God. And so as a church, we have to keep these things in mind. In 1 John, remember he said this, Little children, let us, love, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And so the rubber's hitting the road here as John wraps up this passage. We need to learn to love God so we can love each other. Why don't you just take a minute and pray silently And ask God to show you truth. What are your relationships like? What is your life of obedience like? What is it like for you to obey? Is it burdensome or is it a joy? And then just react to it. Say you're sorry if you need to. Praise God for his transforming work in your life. But I'll give you a minute of silence just to do that.